Hotep, how's everybody doing? Hey, this is Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. It is Wednesday, January 23rd, 2019, and we're live, we're broadcasting on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network, uh, and then also on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. So share this broadcast on your uh, Facebook pages and YouTube pages, et cetera, all right? Okay, so I want to do this broadcast. Uh, you know, I've talked about uh, Trump's government shutdown, and this is the 33rd day of uh, Donald Trump's government shutdown, this food. This is his shutdown, and remember December 11, 2018, he met with Nancy Pelosi and, and uh, Senator Chuck Schumer in the Oval Office and said he would take responsibility for this shutdown. Right. But um, something, an aspect of this shutdown that is not talked about a lot is the negative impact that this shutdown is having on African-American owned businesses. OK. And that's what I want to talk about some here. Uh, the negative impact is having on African-American owned businesses and also how African-Americans in general are disproportionately negatively impacted by this shutdown, and then also some things that we can do because uh, to try to make it through um, this shutdown, those who are negatively being impacted by it. We don't know when it's going to end. We know this is day 33 of Trump's shutdown. Um, we also know that there have been 10 bills that have passed the House of Representatives to fund border security and get the government back open. and Mitch McConnell, Senator Mitch McConnell, uh, is not letting those bills come to the Senate floor for a vote because he knows they will probably pass. OK. All right. So everybody share this broadcast on your Facebook pages. Invite your friends to tune in. Now, African-American owned businesses, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Post the name of uh, your business here on the thread of the broadcast. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network uh, as well to help promote your business. Email us at customer service at africanhistorynetwork.com, customer service at africanhistorynetwork.com, okay? And let me share this information here as well. All right, so um, blackenterprise.com has a really good article I saw a few days ago. Uh, it's from January 17, 2019. And I'm gonna give you a number of different articles here, so get ready for it, okay? Um, the government shutdown may destroy many black businesses and budding entrepreneurs. The government shutdown may destroy many black businesses and budding entrepreneurs. All right. And the reason why this is so uh, important is because, one, many African-Americans, many Americans in general, but especially African-Americans, many of us don't understand that politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. And politics is also the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, the adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. So we really don't understand how important politics and government is and how it impacts every aspect of our life, regardless of who you are, okay? And more and more people are realizing this, <clears throat> excuse me, as this government shutdown progresses and as certain departments get close to running out of money. 
because the SNAP program is scheduled to run out of money by the end of February 2019, which means they won't have any more money for uh, food stamps, for the bridge cards, things like this. Also, I saw an article, just to give you a quick example, I saw an article a few days ago, and I have to find it and post it on the thread of the broadcast. It dealt with how some grocery stores across the United States cannot accept bridge cards anymore. They can't, they can't accept food stamps. Why? It's not because the SNAP program has run out of money. It's because every five years, grocery stores that accept the SNAP program, that accept the SNAP payments, accept the bridge cards, they have to get their certification renewed every five years. So the, so the stores that have submitted their application for renewal, right? That department is shut down that renews their certification. So when their certification expires, they can't accept the bridge cards anymore, even though there's money on the bridge card. So th this shutdown has wide ranging implications. And these are things that people are not talking about, all right? Okay, so how's everybody doing? All right, uh, so let's look at this article here. First one from uh, blackenterprise.com. Uh, it's from January 17, 2019. And we, and we should definitely read blackenterprise.com. They have a lot of good articles for African-American business owners and for your professional career as well. So this article is called, The Government Shutdown May Destroy Many Black Businesses and Budding Entrepreneurs. The Government Shutdown May Destroy Many Black Businesses and uh, Budding entrepreneurs, all right? And it talks about how with the U.S. government reaching its longest shutdown ever, and this is the longest shutdown in U.S. history. This is the 33rd day, and uh, we know this started in December of 2018. And just keep in mind, there were three government shutdowns in 2018. Donald Trump president, Republicans controlled the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate, there were three government shutdowns in 2018, okay? Elections have consequences, all right? But uh, black businesses are among scores of American small businesses feeling the sting, and I would say thousands, ain't just scores, it's thousands, all right? The lingering crisis is impacting businesses on Main Street to Wall Street, Main Street to Wall Street. Banking powerhouse J.P. Morgan Chase uh, estimates that the U.S. economy is losing about $1.5 billion weekly due to this government shutdown, all right? And just keep in mind, just back up for one quick minute, just keep in mind, this shutdown happened because Donald Trump is a punk and he's scared of Ann Coulter, he's scared of Laura Ingram, he's scared of these right-wing radio hosts and pundits, and he's scared of Rush Limbaugh, okay? Because the U.S. Senate, he, he's, because the bill that, that um, uh, passed the U.S. Senate by a uh, verbal vote, a verbal yay vote, he said he would sign that bill, okay? This is before the government shutdown started. Then the right-wing pundits lashed out at him and said, if you don't get funding for, the, the, for this fake-ass wall, you're not going to be able to get funding because Republicans, I mean, Democrats would take control of the House of Representatives. OK, so then he did a 180 and said he wasn't going to sign the bill that didn't fund his fake wall. OK, 
even though Republicans had control of the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate for two years, and they did not pass any bills to fund his fake wall that he lied and said Mexico was going to pay for. Let's just understand how we got here, okay? All right, so this is an example of how elections have consequences, and unfortunately, or for some people, they may say fortunately, I don't, I don't wish harm on anybody in general, but there are exceptions. Some of the same people who voted for Donald Trump are some of the same ones not getting their paychecks and they're standing in food lines and they're, st and, and, and they're selling blood plasma and, and they're uh, getting evicted from their homes and things like this. I don't wish harm on anybody, but karma is a mother, okay? So I'm just, I'm just saying. All right, so now the partial government shutdown, this is a partial government shutdown, by the way, but it gets worse and worse by the day, comes as congressional Democrats, who now make up the majority of the House of Representatives, refuse to back Donald Trump's $5.7 billion funding a shakedown, holding 800,000 government employees hostage, requesting to build this fake wall along the U.S.-Mexican border, which will take two, three, four years to build. So what emergency is it going to solve on the Mexican border and it's not going to do anything for the, for the drug tunnels that, that, that run underneath the ground that connect Mexico to the U.S. and they're using these tunnels and each day we see more and more articles coming out about these tunnels be, uh, being discovered and in the history of border control, there have been over 200 underground tunnels that they've discovered that are used to run drugs. The wall don't have nothing to do with that. And if we really want to, if we really want to deal with facts and evidence, right, you have more undocumented immigrants coming through the Canadian border than you do coming through the Mexican border. So why isn't Donald Trump talking about building a wall along the Canadian border, which goes all the way across Northern America? Do look, look at the fact checking from the Associated Press. You got more undocumented immigrants coming through the Canadian border than you do coming through the Mexican border. Why? Because the majority of them are white. And, and this administration don't give a damn about white undocumented immigrants. This is all about targeting and the fear of the browning of America. That's what this is about. This is all about white supremacy and racism. Let's be very clear, okay? All right, so African-American-owned businesses, uh, business owners, uh, they've been sharing their pain in various articles about how this uh, government shutdown is negatively impacting their businesses. Now, one uh, small African-American business owner speaking on condition of anonymity says that the shutdown is hurting his business in many ways. He says with the federal government being his largest customer, he, his business has lost hundreds of thousands of dollars or 50% of his, businesses, his business monthly total revenue since the closure began. Plus, his Detroit-based company has shipped more than $500,000 in goods to the federal government since December of 2018. And though he has a purchase order for goods, he can't receive payment as there are no federal employees to process the invoice. So when Trump talks about how the federal employees are going to adjust, right? He doesn't really understand how this is ne negatively going to impact this economy that you keep bragging about. 
And when I hear people say that um, if we have more Black-owned businesses, this government shutdown wouldn't negatively impact us. Well, that means you don't understand the nature of business and you don't understand politics. You don't understand government because government regulates business. Government and, and economic conditions that largely are impacted by policies impact businesses, either positively or negatively. Now, I'm not somebody that just studies history. My degree is in business administration. I taught entrepreneurship for seven years. I worked in corporate America. I've done business consulting for seven years. I've done consulting for nonprofit organizations, educational institutions, private-owned businesses. So I ain't just talking about what I read in the book. I'm talking about what I know from experience. And I'm somebody who managed a company that had government contracts also, state government contracts and county government contracts. So I understand this better than the average person. So. Um, and people post the name of your, Af your African-American-owned business here on the thread of the broadcast, okay? And we'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network as well on the audio podcast of our radio show, the African History Network show, okay? Email us at customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com, customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com for more information, all right? Let's continue here. All right, and this is from the article from blackenterprise.com. Uh, now, Ken Harris is the president and CEO of the National Business League. Now, I know Ken Harris. Ken Harris is a friend of mine. I live here in Detroit. Ken Harris used to head up the International Detroit Black Expo years ago, and I worked with him along with another, a, a number of other African-American entrepreneurs on the um, International Detroit Black Expo here in Detroit. Okay, And we've been on radio shows together here in Detroit as well. Um, now, the National Business League right, used to be known as the... Uh, the uh, Negro Business League that was founded by Booker T. Washington in 1900 is now known as the National Business League. OK, so Ken Harris, is, Ken Harris is the president and CEO of the National Business League, and he says no one wins in partisan gridlock. He added that African-American owned businesses are suffering the consequences of the government shutdown, affecting their ability to serve their customers assess much needed capital and deliver quality services on time. The National Business League is the nation's oldest trade association for African-American owned businesses with 15,000 members. Ken Harris says the NBL, National Business League, uh, the NBL members who are African-American suppliers to the federal government have been hurt by the shutdown. Those firms include businesses offering professional services, construction, logistics, and facility maintenance services, to name a few. He's, he noted that African-American-owned businesses, um, uh, African-American businesses contracting for the federal government won't, will not be paid until the shutdown ends. Now, there are going to be some African-American-owned businesses that go out of business because of this, because they can't get, they can't get paid. And we know that our businesses are undercapitalized. So if you can't get paid for 30 days or 60 days and you render services, you have to pay your employees. You have creditors that you have to pay. Uh, you have uh, vendors, suppliers you have to pay for the goods that you had to get, okay, on credit to fulfill your contract with the federal government. They may give you an extension. They may not give you an extension. You may have already had a previous extension because of problems you ran into. All right, so this had wide-ranging negative implications. 
And then the other thing is, is that because I hear a lot of people say, well, if we own more businesses. We wouldn't be impacted by this. Right. Um, you realize that the small business administration that a lot of businesses go to to get SBA loans, they're not processing loans anymore because of this government shutdown. So you can't you can't get funding. For you, if you put in a, a loan application through the SBA, it's not being processed right now. Also, we know that there's going to be, even though Trump has ordered 30,000 IRS agents back to work, to work for free until the government shutdown is over with, to process tax refunds, tax returns and tax refunds, uh, is going to be a slowdown in that as well, which will negatively impact the economy. Because people take their tax refunds, they go buy cars, they go um, uh, get caught up on bills, go buy all types of things, right? But that negatively impacts African-American-owned businesses because there's a delay in those funds going to African-American-owned businesses also. Okay, so Ken Harris noted that black businesses contracting for the federal government won't be paid until the shutdown ends. He added that the opportunity to bid for new business dries up as government employees are furloughed and some contractors put potentially start receiving stop work orders from agencies. And basically the government contractors, right, and their employees, they, they're not gonna get back pay because they're not government employees. The government employees will get back pay. Government contractors are not gonna get back pay unless, unless they pass, because usually they don't. Usually the government contractors don't get back pay unless they pass a bill to do that, but there's really no talk of that, okay? Now, the U.S. Black Chamber of Commerce, USBC, U.S. Black Chambers, uh, US, Black, uh, U.S. Black Chambers, which is the U.S. Black Chamber of Commerce, which represents roughly 240,000 African-American-owned businesses nationally, says the government shutdown obstructs African-American entrepreneurship, right? Remember Donald Trump asked after, during 2016 election, he asked African-Americans, what the hell do you have to lose? Remember that? Nobody thought this fool would shut down the government and how it would negatively impact us. This is an example how elections have consequences. I tried to warn people, if you've been watching my broadcast, listening to my radio show, I warned people during 2016, before the election, this fool was crazy. I, told, I, I, I talked about his connections to Russia, I talked about the Fidelis report. I talked about the CrowdStrike report. I talked about how I really think Trump is being manipulated by Vladimir Putin. This was before the no, uh, November 6th election, or November 8th election. Now, U.S. Black Chamber uh, National President and CEO Ron Busby, B-U-S-B-Y, made this statement on the impending government shutdown. He said, quote, it's deeply troubling, yet not surprising that President Trump said he would keep the government closed for months or years. It's these type, types of antics that create chaos and uncertainty in the marketplace and the small business community, end quote. Now, this shutdown also stymies African-American entrepreneurship and innovation. The patent office is closed. So if you are an African-American business and you have an invention and you submitted a patent application, you can't get your patent application processed because those workers, 
and are not working. So once again, when I hear people say, oh, if we just own more black businesses, this we, we wouldn't be impacted by the government shutdown. Yeah, okay. Prove it. The Kwame Skate Company strives to responsibly make meaningful product for the black community that not only exemplifies our lifestyle, but enhances the ability to live it. To provide value to our customers, and deliver top quality customer service while still having fun and maintaining our values. Our brand platform offers compelling product assortments, meaningful brand experiences, and convenient multi-channel accessibility that reflects our respect and knowledge of both indigenous people and skateboard lifestyle. Our community is committed to growth and development to understanding and showing the world that Kwame and the indigenous community can do so much more. Visit their website today, KwameSCO.com. KwameSCO.com. Are you struggling with your finances or just need a second opinion? My name is Martisha Patterson and I am here to help. Whether you have questions about credit, retirement, taxes, investments, or meeting day-to-day -day responsibilities, you deserve access to a qualified, caring, and resourceful financial professional. As a certified financial planner with over 19 years in the wealth management industry, I have a passion for helping people gain confidence and become successful with money. Taking control of your finances creates options instead of obstacles confidence instead of uncertainty. Make no mistake, this is an important step for all of us. Will you allow your situation to control you or will you take control and make your money behave? My name is Martisha Patterson. Call or email me today to schedule an appointment. My phone number is 646-552-4384. Again, 646-552-4384 or email me at pattersonplan17 at gmail.com. Looking for technology for your home or business? No problem. From laptops to Chromebooks, Surface tablets, antivirus security software to business phone systems, JCW Computer Consulting LLC has got you covered. Be sure to use the African History Network custom link for discount and special promotions. JCWCC is a certified minority business enterprise and part of the I Buy Black Network. Visit shop.jcwcc.com or call. 215-879-6701. Do you have a child with ADHD, autism, or another special need? Would you like to treat your child holistically and avoid pharmaceuticals and stimulants if possible? If so, you need to head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com, OurKidsCanThrive.com, and take the Holistic Special Kids course. Shava a mother to four boys, ages 12 to 5, and a daughter who is almost three years old, has dealt with hyperactivity, anxiety, depression, severe anger, sensory processing disorders, chronic fatigue, and more. And now her children are all thriving. Chava is a holistic ADHD coach and has helped many children privately and now. She shared all of the tips, tricks, herbs, foods, and supplements she has used to treat her own children and many others. Head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com and sign up for the course now. That's ridiculous. 
because a lot of those government employees, right? They don't have the money to spend with black owned businesses now. They don't even have the money to spend with white owned businesses, largely. So the impact of the government shutdown spreads beyond government workers and directly obstructs African-American entrepreneurs. Black federal contractors are faced with not getting paid and African-American startups who need business licenses issued by the government are facing unnecessary delays. Not just licenses, but getting your SBA loan processed, getting your patent application approved for your innovation, for your, for your uh, invention. Now, Ken Harris said, quote, Black Americans remain the fastest growing population of entrepreneurs. We need a government that supports this process, not obstructs it, end quote. So if we look at another article from blackenterprise.com from March 4th, 2016, Black women business owners outpace all other startups six times national average. African-American women are creating businesses at six times the national average, right? This is from March 4th, 2016. There was a study done in 2015 called State of Women, State of Women-Owned Businesses, okay? Uh, it's the State of Women-Owned Businesses, and this was commissioned by American Express Open, okay? American Express, don't leave home without it. The number of businesses owned by minority women has increased from one in six in 1997 to one in three in 2015. Okay, while non-minority women owned firms grew 40% over the 18-year period of time from 1997 to 2015, African-American women owned firms grew 322%. And Latino owned, Latina, owned firms grew 224%. Women now own 30% of all businesses in the U.S., accounting for some 9.4 million firms. And African-American women control 14% of these companies, okay? African-American women, at back, going back to the report from 2015, owned 1.3 million businesses, okay, uh, in the U.S. They are creating businesses at six times the national average. So this also negatively impacts African-American females, this government shutdown. Now, if you look at the U.S. Census, uh, the U.S. Census Bureau, they do a survey of Black-owned businesses. Every, it was every seven years. I think they're doing it every five years now. We go back to 2012, there were 2.6 million African-American-owned businesses, okay, and African-American women own half of them. Today, there's over, there's about at least 3 million, maybe a little more than 3 million. I haven't seen the latest numbers. I know it's about at least 3 million, okay? So this negatively impacts us on multiple levels. Once again, this is an example of how elections have consequences. So we should be taking notes because this fool asked us, what the hell do you have to lose? And a lot of people don't follow politics. We, did, we, we, we didn't read the document progress of the African-American community in the era of, in the, uh, in the, uh, under the Obama administration, which documents how President Obama's policies in various categories positively impacted the African-American community. Because every city I lecture in, I ask people who's read it and nobody's read it. It, it was, it, it's, it's still up at whitehouse.gov, even though the government is shut down, it's still there. You can Google it, or you can go to whitehouse.gov and search for progress of the African-American community under the Obama administration.
And it shows you directly how policies from President Obama positively impacted the African-American community. Unfortunately, many of these policies have been reversed by Trump because there have been over 100 policy reversals by Donald Trump, reversing policies from President Obama. So we don't, we don't understand how elections have consequences, okay? All right, we'll come to some of your comments here in just a minute. I'm, I'm trying to get through some of this and I don't want this to be a three hour video either. So the impact of the government shutdown spreads beyond government workers and directly obstructs African-American entrepreneurs, African-American federal contractors are faced with not getting paid and black startups who need business licenses issued by the government are facing unnecessary delays. Now, another fallout of the shutdown is the inability for small businesses to seek loans from the U.S. Small Business Administration, which is a reallocation of taxpayer dollars. Do black people pay taxes? Hello. So the Small Business Administration, the loans they give out, where does the money come from? Taxpayer dollars? So even though we want to look at different sources of funding and we want to look at friends, families, and fools, F-O-O-L-S, and we want to deal with cooperative economics, things like this, you may have to look at the Small Business Administration, and I don't have a problem with that because that's our money. Our taxpayer dollars pay for that. So we need to look at different pots of money. So another fallout of the shutdown is the inability for small businesses to seek loans from the U.S. Small Business Administration, which is a reallocation of our taxpayer dollars in the first place. The SBA, the Internal Revenue Service, Department of Agriculture, Department of Commerce, and several other federal departments provide services crucial to businesses in several industries, including housing, lending, farming, and even craft, and even craft beer brewing, the Washington, the Washington Examiner reported. Just a couple of days ago, Roland Martin, on his, on his daily digital show, Roland Martin Unfiltered. Watch that every day, Monday through Friday. Follow him on YouTube, Roland Martin on YouTube. Follow him on Facebook, Roland Martin on Facebook. Don't matter what you think about him. His personality don't matter. It's the information. The hell with all the like and dislike. He interviewed John Boyd. John Boyd is the national president of the Black Farmers Association. John Boyd is a soybean farmer. Now, if you've been watching my broadcast, I've done broadcasts talking about how African-American farmers are suing the Stein Seed Company, S-T-I-N-E, the Stein Seed Company, alleging that they were sold fake soybean seeds, okay, that did not provide the proper yield for the amount of seeds that they purchased and how they think that this was a ploy to steal their land because there's a whole history of African-American farmers having their land stolen from them through various ways, legal and illegal, white domestic terrorism, the, uh, um, the uh, heirs property loophole in the law, a number of things. Go back and watch the broadcast I did because I did about a three hour broadcast dealing with that, okay? Dealing with black farmers. But African-American farmers who are soybean farmers are disproportionately negatively impacted by this government shutdown, first of all, by Donald Trump's tariffs on the soybeans, one, okay, which reduces the amount of soybeans that they can sell, one. Two, 
Trump set aside 12 billion because he put this, because uh, he created this trade war with China, with his tariffs. He set us, he allocated $12 billion in relief for the soybean farmers, okay, who were negatively impacted by this tariff, this trade war he created with China. Well, now their checks are delayed. The farmers who qualify for, for the funding, their checks are now delayed because this stupid ass shutdown that Trump caused. John Boyd is one of those farmers whose money is held up. This is so so I want so no, I I didn't see any other interviews that media did with John Boyd. Roland Martin interviewed. Go go on Roland's YouTube channel. Okay, this was a couple of days ago. So it was, so it was uh Thing was yesterday. I think it was the twenty second, January twenty second. Go watch that interview, and we'll we'll try to post the link here on the thread of the broadcast because John Boyd goes in depth. Now farmers are business owners; they're entrepreneurs. He's showing you how how government impacts business. This is what I try to keep explaining to people, dude. Business don't operate. The businesses do not operate independent of government government regulates business government policies create either a positive business environment or a negative business environment even if you're doing an illegal business you still impacted by supply and demand even if you run an illegal business you still impacted somewhat by government as well depending upon the business so we don't understand this correlation oftentimes Okay. All right. Let's keep going here. So we got Erica. Everybody share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. I'm going to give you some information of um, those who are impacted negatively by the um, by the uh, shutdown. Uh, some things that you may be able to do to make it through. Okay. Just to to to, to survive, stay alive. All right. African-American business owners, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast as well. And uh, email us at customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network on the audio podcast of our radio shows and our broadcasts. Reach thousands of people uh, across the country with each uh, broadcast as well. All right. And if you like this type of information, you can also donate to the African History Network, PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, or go to our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. If you don't have a PayPal account, click on the yellow donate button, all right? And uh, that helps us to keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting as well, all right? And also to sell our DVDs and our online courses also at africanhistorynetwork.com. All right, let's continue. Okay, so... Um, the Small Business Administration, Internal Revenue Service, Department of Agriculture, Department of Commerce, and several other federal government departments provide services crucial to businesses in several industries, including housing, lending, farming, and even craft beer brewing. Um, so there's an article that deals with, we heard recently in the past few days how Funding from HUD for some people who receive um, monthly rent subsidies, how that's running out of money. 
And for February, there won't be any money for that, for some people, not everybody, but for, for some people, right? So if those people can't come up with the money, they're going to be evicted unless they can um, work something out with their landlord. Now, what happens to African-American entrepreneurs who own rental property and they rent property to HUD recipients? They're not going to get their money. From the subsidy from HUD that offsets the cost of the rent that the people pay, they're not getting their money from HUD. These are African-American entrepreneurs. Many of them have mortgages on those properties, and they have to pay the bank, okay? And they take the money they get from HUD to pay the mortgage. Their money's being held up. Now, um, Ken Harris of the National Business League, president and CEO, says black businesses are undercapitalized in terms of access to capital, and due to the shutdown, the SBA will not be processing loan applications, which means companies applying for funding will have to wait until the government shutdown ends. Now, John Ahrensmeyer, A-R-E-N-S-M-E-Y-E-R, John Ahrensmeyer, who's the founder and CEO of the Small Business Majority, the Small Business Majority, talked about the shutdown's impact on small businesses. The National Business Advocacy uh, Group regularly engages with a network of 58,000 small business owners and works with more than 1,000 business groups. He said, quote, the ongoing partial federal government shutdown will reportedly cost the U.S. Uh, United States tens of billions of dollars, and America's small businesses will be left with a large portion of that bill, end quote. Now, with much of the government shuttered loan applications sent to the SBA are on hold. Small firms that contract with the government are not getting paid. And local small businesses that frequently serve federal employees are losing sales. So if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, you're in the Virginia area, you're in that DMV area, okay, Delaware, uh, you know, uh, Maryland, Washington, D.C., and you have a small business, you have a restaurant, you have a club, you have a grocery store, what have you, you have businesses, and you get a lot of federal employees, your business is drying up, which means you got to lay off workers. But your bills are still up here, right? But your revenues drop down to here. And then this is having a ripple effect all across the country. Now, John Ahrensmeyer went on to say, since most small firms have little, if any, financial safety net, a small dip in earnings can be an existential blow to many businesses. Quote, unfortunately, even an immediate end to the shutdown would, would not mitigate the damage already done to many small businesses. Lost revenue will not be recovered in many cases. Still, the longer the shutdown lasts, the more small firms will suffer. So we must end this political stunt immediately and fully fund the entire federal government with a clean spending package, end quote. Check out this article from blackenterprise.com. The government shutdown may destroy many black businesses and budding entrepreneurs. It is doing that. Okay? It is doing that. All right. And then also look at the article from um, another one from blackenterprise.com. Um, Black women business owners outpace all other startups six times national average. 
because African-American women are creating businesses six times the national average. Their businesses are undercapitalized. We saw that the average revenue for African-American-owned businesses dropped from about $76,000 a year down to about $54,000 a year. Okay. And also, we must keep in mind that about 95% of African-American-owned businesses don't have any employees. It's just the, just the owner or owners. All right, so let's come to some of your comments. I'm going to share some other articles with you because um, there was one, there was a good one from um, um, NBC News dealing with how people are turning to small gigs to get money. Uh, there was one from BlackAmericaWeb.com from the Tom Jordan Morning Show, How to Survive the Government Shutdown, okay? And then also there was one from the griot.com that deals with how this shutdown is disproportionately negatively impacting African-American families, not business owners, but African-American families in general. Why? Because um, African-Americans make up 18% of federal government employees, right? So when we talk about government shutdowns, that disproportionately impacts us. We're, we're about 14.4% of the population, 47.4 million African-Americans in the country based upon the U.S. Census press release from June of 2018. Okay, 47 million of us. But we're 18% of federal government employees, all right? And there are a number of reasons why for this also. We're disproportionately reliant upon the federal government, okay, because um, there's a history of many of our businesses being wiped out for various reasons, whether it's, whether it's us losing 14 million acres of land from 1920 to 1975, after we acquired 15 million acres of land from 1865 when the Civil War ended up to 1920, whether it's the U.S. Interstate Highway Acts in 1952 and, and 1956 that drove 41,000 miles of U.S. Interstate Highway all throughout the country, and it ran through about 1,600 African-American communities, wiping out our businesses, wiping out a lot of our homes, disrupting our communities. So when people think, well, because of the civil rights movement, we just abandoned our businesses and started spending our money white people, that's not what happened. A lot of our businesses were destroyed because the expressways came through and ran through our communities. It happened right here in Detroit. I-375 ran through Black Bottom and Paradise Valley, knocked out about 300 businesses, locked out, knocked out a lot of our homes. That happened all across the country. This is during the civil rights movement. This is during the civil rights movement. A lot of our businesses were being eradicated, okay? So people have to read this book, How White Folks Got So Rich, The Untold Story of American White Supremacy. How White Folks Got So Rich, The Untold Story of American White Supremacy. This is put out by the Nation of Islam Research Group. Sterily documented, excellent, excellent book which deals with the history of how laws and public policies have been used against African-Americans to destabilize our communities, wipe out our businesses, and it deals with a history of a maldistribution of wealth, power, and resources into the hands of the dominant white society. You can get this from uh, finalcall.com, finalcall.com, or uh, noi.org, okay? Nation of Islam Research Group, noi.org, it's $10. This is the third edition, okay? I have all three editions. This is the second edition. The second edition has a um, guy who used to own the Clippers, okay? Um, the L.A. Clippers. Um, I forgot his name. But he's on, the, um, he's on the cover of the second edition, okay? It'll come to me in a minute. Yeah, Donald Sterling. He's on the cover of the second edition, all right? 
So check these, check these out. Of course, Black Label, White Wealth by Dr. Claude Anderson, Powernomics by Dr. Claude Anderson. But these are little, these are things you can put in your pocket, right? These are little pocket-sized ones that you can get through very quickly. Okay, let's continue here. All right, so we have Eugene. Uh, Jackie said, I have that book. Um, Charles, preach it. And then I have some more information for you, so don't go anywhere. Uh, I have more information for you. But let's go to some of your comments here, okay? And um, we'll post this African-American business owners, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Email us at customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com. Um, we'll give you information on how you can advertise with us. First month is 50% off. Second month is free. First month is 50% off. Second month is free. It's very affordable. We take your 30-second and 60-second audio commercial that either you record or we record for you for free. Uh, no additional charge, and we put it into the audio podcast of our radio show, the African History Network show that I've been doing for nine years, and we do that Sunday nights, and then some of the broadcasts we do, do throughout the week. We're on seven different podcast platforms. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, Acast, FM Player, TuneIn, and some other platforms also, okay? So Charles says it's going down in this country. They planned it well, didn't they? Well, who's, who's the day you're talking about? Because everybody didn't want this. Uh, we need our own resources, lending clubs, other creative. That's true, Linda, and we got to deal. We have to reclaim our history of the of cooperative economics, the co-ops, because we have a long history of co-ops. If you look at some of the previous broadcasts I've done, dealing with Dr. Jessica Gordon Nemhard's book, um, Collective Courage, Collective Courage, which deals with the history of African American co-ops. We can go back even during slavery. We have co-ops like the. Um, Free African Society created in 1787. We had the Colored Farmers Union created about 1886. Um, we had all different types of co-ops that uh, we had like the Colored Merchants Association, which came out of the National Negro Business League. They were created about 1928. They helped African-American grocery store owners better compete against the chain stores, the white chain stores, A&P and Woolworths and Kresge, all different types of things like this. So we have a history of cooperative economics, but we don't understand that history. And what happened was many of us went to business schools, we went to white business schools, or we went to African-American business schools that taught white business principles. And we learned white business principles and then employed them in the African-American community, and that stuff doesn't work. Those business principles were not designed for African-Americans. They don't incorporate into them our history, our psychology, our culture, anything like that, okay? And I'm somebody with a degree in business administration from a white business school, Wayne State University in Detroit. I'm telling you, a lot of that stuff you learn in, 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 the, in, the, in the textbooks, a lot of that stuff don't work for us. Our history is different. Our culture is different, okay? You can learn some things from it, but no. So... What happened was we started implementing those principles into our community, and then we got away from a history of cooperative economics. So now many of us think that co-ops are for white people or co-ops are for hippies or co-ops are some new age thing or co-ops are for poor people, and we, we, don't, we don't understand that history, okay? I mean, we use co-ops during uh, – I mean, co-ops were like the original crowdfunding. This was crowdfunding before uh, GoFundMe and Kickstarter and all this other stuff. Okay, uh, co-ops were the original were the original crowdfunding. I'm trying to find the article that I have here. Uh, there's a really good article 
from news1.com. It's an interview with Dr. Jessica Gordon Nemhar. Okay. And um, it deals with stop saying that black people don't work together, or don't have a history of working together. All right. And it deals with a history of African American co ops. I got to see. He's got thousands of articles. I'm trying to see. I just saw this one. I just finished doing my um, lectures for Dr. King Day also. So my articles are all over the place. All right. Did you all see the uh, you all see the video I posted here of uh, my Dr. King Day presentation at Second, ba Second Baptist Church in Detroit? Go check that out. We have it. Uh, just click on videos, the African History Network, um, our fan page on Facebook. And it's also on my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel. All right. All right. Linda said other creative sources, but even with alternative lending sources, our businesses are still governed by regulation, government, et cetera. All right. So we have to keep that in mind. This is why this is why politics is so important. This is why voting is so important. Just because you own businesses don't mean you don't have to vote. Because regulation impacts your business. Politics impacts your business. And the political and the political and the economic environment created by regulation and policies impacts the economic condition of your customers. You ever try to run a black owned business during a recession? Come on. All right. Erica said Ujima Cooperative Economics. Yeah, fourth principle of Kwanzaa then Guzu Saba. Uh, the Black Panther plan. Now, what do you mean, Precious? You're talking about the Black Panther Party for self-defense. Now, what do you mean? Uh, Charles says it's going down. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to get some of your comments in. He said, preach. He said, preach it. Standing on our next, Karen said, eminent domain. Yeah, see, now they're going to have to take to build this fake wall that Trump wants, which is a joke. They're going to have to take white people's home through eminent domain. Their homes that are along the Mexican border, Mexican-U.S. border. This is something that Ann Coulter's not talking about. Rush Limbaugh's not talking about. Laura Ingram. Because what's going to happen, and Washington Post has a good article about this. They're going to be, these, business, these homeowners are going to file lawsuits against the government. Those lawsuits will drag out for years, which will delay the wall being built. So what emergency are you trying to fix at the border with a wall? It's a lie. Okay. Uh, Precious McKinney said happened here in Dallas, Texas. Jackie said, I have that book. I guess she's referring to uh, how white folks got so rich, the untold story of American white supremacy. Also another good book to get. We need to study the U.S. Constitution because Nancy Pelosi is giving Donald Trump a crash course in Article One of the U.S. Constitution. OK, because because Donald Trump does not understand how much power the Speaker of the House of Representatives has. Because the House of Representatives is a co-equal branch to government. They're not subjects of the president. The president is not king. They don't work for the president. He's finding out how much power the Speaker of the House has, who is who is second in line to the presidency. So if Trump is removed from office, and Mike Pence is removed from office, you'll be saying President Pelosi. He doesn't, he, he doesn't understand how powerful the Speaker of the House is because he, he was used to dealing with a punk, a weak, no-spine punk like Speaker of the House Representative Paul Ryan. 
And Nancy Pelosi, you know, I ain't a big Pelosi fan, but I understand politics. She has more testicular fortitude than Paul Ryan and Donald Trump combined. I'm just keeping it real with you. She has more testicular fortitude than Paul Ryan and Donald Trump combined. All right. Um, I-95 Interstate, uh, Dotson said, okay, running through the African-American communities, wiping out our business, how quickly we forget, Erica said. Yes, uh, eminent domain has really hurt us, Patricia said, okay. All right, let's keep going here. All right, and um, very quickly here, we have our um, eight digital download, our Black Panther eight digital download bundle pack. Uh, on sale, $30, regularly $80. It has three of my lectures dealing with the film Black Panther, which is up for seven Oscars. And uh, five of my other presentations is all digital downloads. Watch all around the world. You can download the presentations. It's regularly $80 on sale, $30. We just posted the link here. It's also at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. Okay, all this helps to support the African History Network, help us to keep doing the research, keep doing the broadcast, pay the bills, stay on the air. All right. So thegrill.com had a good article from um, January 16, 2019. Experts state that the shutdown has deeply affected black families. Experts state that the shutdown has deeply affected black families, okay? Um, and they, they cite an article here from NPR.org, National Public Radio, that I'm gonna get to in just a minute. Because it deals with some of this history of how African-Americans became disproportionately um, reliant upon the government for jobs. All right. And it comes out of white supremacy and racism. OK, uh, while all Americans have felt a financial hit from the shutdown. No community has felt the economic sting more than African-Americans. All right. And a lot of the a lot of the coverage I've seen on MSNBC, it doesn't really deal with how we are negatively impacted by this. Right. But. Keep in mind, now, the question I'll ask you, where the, where the black people who told you don't vote in the 2016 election, where are they now? Ready to start getting healthy? Well, I'm here to let you know that all natural honey is a great way to start. At Crazy Boy Honey, we offer all natural honey for the lowest prices. Our honey has no additives or preservatives. Go to crazyboyhoney.com. That's crazyboyhoney.com and see what we have to offer. And remember, shipping is free. It's your man, Mr. X. Get your hand out my pocket. Letting you know to catch our brand new podcast 
on soundcloud.com slash g-y-h-o-m-p go to youtube page right now subscribe right now listen right now we on twitter and we on facebook and we on instagram we got the information we're combining consciousness with activism don't be on the couch yakking at yak get out and do some real work so check us out and get your hand on my pocket youtube i hope to see you there because it's brand new it's fast acting and we on the ground trust yo i only got one thing to say to you there's a war going on and don't get scared now peace What the people that told you don't vote, where are they? Ask them to explain this to you. Because they, they didn't see something like this coming. So the nation is in the midst of the longest running government shutdown in U.S. history, according to the Business Insider, businessinsider.com, a business publication. 800,000 federal employees and millions of government contractors are currently going without pay almost a month is so we're 33 days in now the damage is not only taking place on the national economy but it is also affecting many african-american federal work federal workers and their families national public radios all things considered host ari shapiro spoke with the guardian the guardian.co.uk which is a, a united kingdom uh publication um Ari Shapiro spoke with Jamil's Larty, who's a reporter for The Guardian, about how the shutdown has disproportionately affected African-Americans who make up more of the federal workforce than any other population. In the NPR interview, Ari Shapiro stated that for generations, government work has provided good wages and job security for African-Americans who may have who, who may have faced discrimination in the private sector. African-American families not only have a fraction of the wealth of, of white families, but also since many of them live paycheck to paycheck are being severely affected by the shutdown, okay? Now we know a large percentage of, of American citizens, period, regardless of what race, don't have $400 on hand to handle emergencies. It's even worse for African-Americans, okay? All right, now, um, let's see here, let's continue. He said, quote, the profound racial gap, racial wealth gap, the profound racial wealth gap in the US makes it far more difficult for the average black American to sustain a long period without a paycheck as compared to uh, a white American, okay? We don't have numbers of, you know, black federal workers wealth versus white federal workers wealth. It's probably much closer than the broader disparity. But you know, so he goes on to say, but you know, overall, black Americans are less likely to have friends, family, networks, access, uh, access to credit, you know, you name it. Things that will help you survive a period without a paycheck, they're, there's, uh, they're less likely to have it, end quote. Remember who asked the question to black people, what the hell do you have to lose? Now, lately also noted, um, uh, I'm sorry, Larty. Larty also noted that there's no precedent for government contractors to receive back pay when the shutdown ends. 
This is something I was talking about previously. The government contractors are, are not going to receive back pay unless a miracle happens because they usually did not receive back pay in previous government shutdowns. Thus, no one fully knows if they, were, if they were, will receive income for the weeks that they were furloughed. And since Black-owned firms make up 11.7% of registered federal contractors, by and large, these minority companies are going to be hit harder than others. The Business Insider also notes that the shutdown is not the only financial woe that America has to worry about. The U.S. is also dealing with the negative effect of the U.S.-China trade war, stock prices falling, a slowdown in international growth, and conflict about the debt ceiling. Now, Jamie Dimon, who's the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, said the shutdown was a serious problem for the U.S. economy and cited research that found that the U.S. GDP gross domestic product growth could go to zero if the shutdown continued. Financial services company Standard & Poor's also stated that the cost of the shutdown could soon equal Trump's demand for $5.7 billion to build a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. Now, it's going to take more than $5.7 billion to build the wall. So th this whole thing is a joke. This whole thing is a fraud. Jamie Dimon, Jamie Dimon went on to say, quote, the longer the shutdown drags on, the more collateral damage the economy will suffer. Oh, this was an analyst for uh, Standard & Poor's, okay, who said this, all right? Okay, so check out this article and look at the links they have in here from thegrio.com, which is an African-American-owned publication now. It's owned by Byron Allen, January 16, 2019, written by Brianna Rhodes. Experts state that the shutdown has deeply affected black families. If we look at the article from National Public Radio, npr.org, that's cited in this article, it deals with some of our history, okay? The name of that article is uh, called Barely Treading Water. Barely Treading Water. Why the shutdown disproportionately affects Black Americans. Now, this is from January 14, 2019 by Ari Shapiro. And uh, so it talks about the interview that uh, uh, Ari Shapiro did with The Guardian. And in the article from NPR.org, it says African-Americans make up a higher percentage of federal workers than they do of the non-government workforce. That's in part because for generations, government work has provided good wages and job security to African-Americans who face more overt discrimination in the private sector. And keep in mind, it was, it was, it was government entities that were the first ones to employ affirmative action. Affirmative action was signed in the law September 25th, 1965. I think it was September 25th, 1965, by President Johnson. That was Executive Order 11246, okay? And even going back before that, you look at something like Executive Order uh, 8802, which was uh, about 1942, okay, or 1941. Signed in, uh, that was signed by President Franklin Delano, uh, Delano Roosevelt. It was 
It was signed because that was pushed by A. Philip Randolph, right? So when I did, if you saw my presentation dealing with the history of why African-Americans switched from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party, and I have uh, those articles here because I just saw them, right? It was because of... It was because of policies. It was because of policies, and it was because the Republican Party started ignoring our issues. Going back to the 1920s, okay? And I'll probably do another broadcast dealing with this. Going back to the 1920s. You go back to 1928, you had the Lily White Movement. The Lily White Movement that was started by the Republican Party. Herbert Hoover, in 1928 was the Republican nominee for president. He was running against a Northern Democrat named Al Smith, okay, a Northern Democrat. And Herbert Hoover and the Republican Party employed a, a Southern strategy to target Southern, to target some Southern Republicans, and probably some Dixiecrats, some Southern Democrats, um, to get their vote and they were ignoring issues that African-Americans were pushing because historically, most African-Americans were Republicans. It was the party of Lincoln. We know that it was, um, the, the Republican party was formed in 1854 by groups of abolitionists, okay? And we know that uh, people like uh, Frederick Douglass were Republicans, okay? So, so historically, African-Americans were Republicans. The party was totally different back then than it is now. But what happened was you had a rise of the Ku Klux Klan going back to 1915 because of the movie, The Birth of a Nation, that came out February 8th, 1915, which showed the Ku Klux Klan as being the heroes and rejuvenated the Ku Klux Klan, which was, which was founded December 24th, 1865 in Pulaski, Tennessee. Right after the civil, right after the Thirteenth Amendment is ratified, December eighteenth, eighteen sixty-five, and it's the Thirteenth Amendment that legally freed the enslaved Africans. This is after the Civil War ended. The Civil War officially ended June second, eighteen sixty-five. So you have a rise in the Ku Klux Klan, and you have our issues being ignored by the Republican Party. And the Lily White movement starts in 1928, and this was designed to push African-Americans out of the Republican Party and to ignore our issues. So gradually over time, we moved to the Democratic Party and largely had to do with President Roosevelt and his wife, Eleanor Roosevelt. And they were more receptive to our issues. And over time, the Democratic Party became more receptive to our issues. And in 1941, you had um, Executive Order 8802, and this came about, you can, uh, Britannica.com has an article about it. They, they talk about it here in the article from NPR.org, but I dealt with this in my presentation, dealing with the, the history of why and how African-Americans switched from the Republican Party to the Democratic Party. It was not because of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. That's not true. Because by 1960, two-thirds of African-Americans had switched from the Republican Party to the Democratic Party. 
1960. So it wasn't because of the Civil Rights Act of 64. That's, that's misinformation. But what was Executive Order 8802? Okay, this is, this is an example of, of speaking truth to power and leveraging your power to push an agenda to create economic opportunities. So Executive Order 8802 was enacted on June 25th, 1941 by President Franklin D. Roosevelt that helped to eliminate racial discrimination in the U.S. defense industry and was an important step toward ending uh, discrimination in, in the federal government employee in federal government employee practices overall. So this is before affirmative action. Affirmative action was first mentioned by President Kennedy in 1961, all right? So what happened was you had A. Philip Randolph, who was the um, leader of the brother, he was the head of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, okay? And he had long fought for African-American rights and employment opportunity and, and things like this, right? Um, and at the time when the United States was preparing for war, however, President Roosevelt had uh, uh, shown little interest in civil rights, being more concerned with having the war, the war mobilization go smoothly and quickly. Okay, now January 25th, 1941, that's before the U.S. gets involved in, in actually fighting World War II. We know Pearl Harbor's bomb, bomb December 7th, 1941. Prior to that, the U.S. was involved in what was called the arsenal of democracy, the arsenal of democracy. So President Roosevelt gave an address, and he talked about how the U.S. could, could become the arsenal of democracy, which meant the U.S. Um, um, produced military equipment and military weapons for the allies in the World War II. So you had, you had corporations who had government contracts to produce military weapons. And General Motors and Ford were some of those uh, contracts, and Chrysler. The big three got filthy rich off of government contracts. And from 1942 to 1945, and a lot of that, that was taking place in Detroit, okay? 1942 to 1945, the big three stopped producing cars and they're producing military equipment. They're producing B-24 Liberator bombers. They're producing M-5 tanks, things like this. So they had contracts with the federal government to produce all this military equipment and they got filthy, filthy rich. And after World War I ends in 45, then we have the baby boomer generation that starts. These men are coming back home, right? And starting families, you had the baby boomer generation they need houses. And this brings about the creation of the suburbs and the deindustrialization of the inner city and moving these industries out of the inner city into the newly formed suburbs. And the US Interstate Highway Acts of 1952 and 56 are being used to, to create expressways going from the downtown district out to the suburbs so they don't have to drive through the inner cities. And these expressways are, are running through the African-American community, wiping out our businesses, wiping out a lot of our homes. 
and they're using federal dollars from uh, because the Federal Housing Administration was formed in 1934 because of the New Deal, President Roosevelt. You had the Federal Housing Administration, you had the Homeowners Loan Corporation created in 1933. The Homeowners Loan Corporation is what created the whole redlining process, which discriminated against African Americans getting the FHA loans to buy property and to buy homes. Okay? See, if you read, if you read how white folks got so rich. The untold story of American white supremacy, it breaks all this history down. Dr. Claude Anderson deals with this in Black Labor, White Wealth also, and there are articles written about this. But you have to understand this chronology of history. Because we're talking about 1941, right? We go back to the Great Depression, 1929, and because of Herbert Hoover not properly handling the Great Depression, that economic catastrophe with the uh, stock market crash in 1929, he loses the presidency to Franklin Roosevelt, okay? So you have the Homeowners Loan Corporation created in 1933, the Federal Housing Administration in 1934, all right? So when these men are coming back home from World War II, they are taking out low interest loans from that are given by the Federal Housing Administration. And they are allowed to put 3% down on low interest loans and get houses built out in these newly formed suburbs. When African-Americans try to take advantage of these loans with the taxpayer dollars and we pay taxes, we're discriminated against them because of the redlining system, which was created by the Homeowners Loan Corporation, created in 1933 by the federal government. The federal government created their whole redlining system that's used, that was used by insurance companies. So this, this brings about the deindustrialization of the inner city after World War II. And this all had to do with um, white people who wanted white flight to separate away from African-Americans because we were moving out of the South up North because of the great migration. And as we move into these northern communities, you have more racial conflict. Uh, you have more racial conflicts. Uh, you have uh, riots that take place, like the the Detroit riot in 1943. So as African Americans are moving and uh, going to work in the auto factories, going to work uh, in different factories, going to work uh, for uh, in, in uh, for Department of Defense, you start having more and more racial conflicts in the north. So then after World War II ends, there's an effort to deindustrialize the inner city and white people move out to the suburbs and leave African-Americans in the inner city. So going into the late 60s and 1970s, when African-American mayors start winning elections in inner cities, a lot of people don't realize that those cities were on life support when we got control of those cities, like Detroit, when uh, Mayor Coleman Alexander Young took the oath of office January 1974, Detroit was on life support when he got it. So this is, this is a chronology of history that we have to understand. Okay, so if we look at Executive Order 8802, all right, I had to give you this background history, all right? So African-American labor leader, A. Philip Randolph, 
head of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, had long fought for African-American rights in employment opportunity and other realms. At the time when the United States was preparing for war, however, President Roosevelt showed little interest in civil rights, being more concerned with having war mobilization go smoothly and quickly. President Roosevelt was also following a political strategy of appeasing Southern Democrats, known as the Dixiecrats, who were extremely powerful in Congress and opposed federal programs aimed at uplifting African-Americans. Because you had the Northern Democrats and you had the Southern Democrats. The Southern Democrats were basically the segregationists, the Dixiecrats. And then in, in about 1948-49, they bring back out that um, Confederate battle flag that people think is the Confederate flag. That's not the Confederate flag. The flag that was on the General Lee car on the Dukes of Hazard, right? That's not the Confederate flag. That's the Confederate battle flag of Northern Virginia, of Northern Virginia under General Robert E. Lee's army. There were three flags that flew over the, the CSA, Confederate States of America, from 1861 to 1865. That flag was never one of them. So when you see these white supremacists run around here with, with what they think is the Confederate flag, you can see how ignorant they are. They don't understand history. And then what was the name of the car on the Dukes of Hazzard? General Lee. Who was the car named after? General Robert E. Lee, a white supremacist slave owner who took up arms against the Union, committed treason to fight to maintain slavery. That's who the car is named after on the Dukes of Hazzard. But when we sat up there and watched Bo and Luke Duke, just a good old boy, never meaning no harm, beats all you ever saw get in trouble with the law since the day they were born. We didn't understand any of that history. We were distracted by Daisy Duke running around with her shorts on, Catherine Bach. So distracted that there was a hit song in the 90s called Looking at the Girls with the Daisy Dukes on. They, what they call booty shorts today used to be called Daisy Dukes. After Daisy Duke on the Dukes of Hazzard. All right, so President Roosevelt was following a political strategy of appearing of appeasing Southern Democrats who were extremely powerful in Congress and opposed federal programs aimed at uplifting African-Americans. When A. Philip Randolph and other civil rights leaders tried to persuade President Roosevelt to end discrimination in defense industry employment, President Roosevelt rebuffed them. Roosevelt responded by, uh, now A. Philip, A. Philip Randolph, responded by threatening to organize a large march on Washington. President Roosevelt recognized that the presence of possibly 100,000 or more African-American protesters in the U.S. Capitol could be embarrassing and would distract attention from more pressing matters. Because this is what A. Philip Randolph threatened to do. He threatened to put a, a hundred thousand African-Americans marching on Washington in protest against President Roosevelt. So what happened? So, so Roosevelt, uh, 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 A. Philip Randolph threatened to do this. And when the march on Washington happened, August 28, 1963, this is something that he wanted to do for about 50 years. All right, because he was part of, you know, he was part of that as well. 
Okay, so A. Philip Randolph responded with threatening to put 100,000 or more protesters marching in Washington, D.C. to embarrass uh, a, uh, President Roosevelt. In order to appease, in order to appease A. Philip Randolph and other civil rights leaders, President Roosevelt issued Executive Order 8802, which specified that there would be no discrimination in the U.S. defense industry on the basis of race, color, or national origin. The executive order did not establish full employment equality, but it did establish a Fair Employment Practices Committee, the FEPC, Fair Employment Practices Committee. The FEPC was solely an investigative and advisory committee and lacked enforcement powers. It did, however, symbolize at least some commitment to non-discrimination and set a precedent for the post-war civil rights achievements that occurred during the administration of President Harry S. Truman. But what this did do, what Executive Order 8802 did do, it opened up a lot of jobs for African-Americans to work in the uh, defense industry, the U.S. defense industry, U.S. Department of Defense, things like this. So a lot of us were moving from the South up North to go work for the federal government in these defense jobs during World War II and, you know, afterwards as well. Okay. So that, so, so that one, that one action right there from A. Philip Randolph leveraging the power of protest and, and speaking truth to power, right? Open up those opportunities for African-Americans. A lot of people don't talk about Executive Order 8802 and A. Philip Randolph. Do you have a child with ADHD, autism, or another special need? Would you like to treat your child holistically and avoid pharmaceuticals and stimulants if possible? If so, you need to head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com, OurKidsCanThrive.com, and take the Holistic Special Kids course. Shava, a mother to four boys, ages 12 to five, and a daughter who is almost three years old, has dealt with hyperactivity, anxiety, depression, severe anger, sensory processing disorders, chronic fatigue, and more. And now her children are all thriving. Chava is a holistic ADHD coach and has helped many children privately and now. She shared all of the tips, tricks, herbs, foods, and supplements she has used to treat her own children and many others. Head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com and sign up for the course now. The Kwame Skate Company strives to responsibly make meaningful product for the black community that not only exemplifies our lifestyle, but enhances the ability to live it. To provide value to our customers and deliver top quality customer service, while still having fun and maintaining our values. Our brand platform offers compelling product assortments, meaningful brand experiences, and convenient multi-channel accessibility that reflects our respect and knowledge of both indigenous people and skateboard lifestyle. Our community is committed to growth and development, to understanding and showing the world that Kwame and the indigenous community 
can do so much more. Visit their website today, KwameSCO.com. KwameSCO.com. Are you struggling with your finances or just need a second opinion? My name is Martisha Patterson, and I am here to help. Whether you have questions about credit, retirement, taxes, investments, or meeting day-to-day responsibilities, you deserve access to a qualified, caring, and resourceful financial professional. As a certified financial planner with over 19 years in the wealth management industry, I have a passion for helping people gain confidence and become successful with money. Taking control of your finances creates options instead of obstacles confidence instead of uncertainty. Make no mistake, this is an important step for all of us. Will you allow your situation to control you or will you take control and make your money behave? My name is Martisha Patterson. Call or email me today to schedule an appointment. My phone number is 646-552-4384. Again, 646-552-4384 or email me at pattersonplan17 at gmail.com. So when we look at this article from NPR.org that looks at some of the history of how we became disproportionately um, relied upon government jobs or working for the government, right? This comes out of white supremacy and racism and us being discriminated against in the private sector. So, um, when they talk about, so in 1941, President Roosevelt signed Executive Order 8802, which banned race discrimination in the defense industry. And that's largely seen as the most important move in support of the civil rights of African-Americans from Reconstruction all the way until 1964, when the Civil Rights Act was passed, which was uh, July 1964, okay? July 2nd, 1964, signed in the law by President Johnson. Now the federal government uh, the federal government, for fairly obvious reasons, just did a better job of, a, of abiding by the Civil Rights Act than the labor market at large. Now, we know that African-American families have a fraction of the wealth of white families, according to the uh, U.S. Census Bureau, for every $100 in, in white family wealth, African-American families just have over $5. So what does that mean when black government workers start missing a paycheck? The profound racial wealth gap in the U.S. makes it far more difficult for the average African-American to sustain a long period without a paycheck as compared to white American workers, okay? Um, let's see, now we don't have, okay, so uh, let's see, I'm trying to skip past some of this here. All right, so you can check out the rest of this article. This is the article cited in the one from, uh, of the griot.com, all right? So as tough as this is for government employees, there can at least, they can at least expect to get back pay. Government contract workers may not, and you, and you say that will also disproportionately affect black business owners. How so? Um, the uh, reporter asked this question to Ari Shapiro. Actually much more so, and that's the next thing we ought to look at. Unlike federal employees, there's no precedent for government contractors to receive back pay when the shutdown ends, so that income is just gone. African-American-owned firms comprise just 2% of all small businesses in the country, but they make up 11.7% of uh, registered federal contractors. African-American-owned businesses basically make up 
of U.S. businesses, but 11.7% of registered federal contractors. So when Donald Trump asked African American African Americans, what the hell do you have to lose? We didn't understand this. Now that's almost the proportion of African American that, uh, that African Americans make up of the population, with 14% of the population. Another way to put it would be uh, black employees are overrepresented by about 150% in federal employees. But black firms are overrepresented by 550% in federal government contracting. I say that with the caveat that we don't know exactly how that trickle trickles down to uh, people's wages. But by and large, African-American-owned firms are going to be hit much harder by the shutdown. Okay, so um, then they ask, then they deal with the gender divide. Women make up 60% of the federal workforce. Women in general make up 60% of the federal workforce. Now, women make up 51% of the U.S. population, okay? U.S. population is majority women, by a little bit, 51%. Higher than the percentage they make up of the general population, okay? 51% of the general population, basically, 60% of federal workers. What's the significance of that gender divide on African-American families? African-Americans are about 10.5% of the civilian labor force, but 18.4% of federal employees. According to the data from the Office of Personnel Management, the share of federal workers who are African-American women is roughly twice as high in the federal government as it is in the greater civilian workforce, okay? This won't be new to anyone who studies race in America or is cognizant of how it works, but is going to disproportionately affect African-American women. And we know um, about 70% or so of African-American households are headed by women, right? So this has a devastating impact on us economically. Elections have consequences. This is what I was trying to explain to people in 2016. People didn't understand this. They wanted to deal with personalities. I'm like, no, you need to deal with policies and you need to deal with like people's temperament. It ain't about that personalities. It's understanding policies and it's understanding when someone has no clue what the hell they're talking about. Like Trump, he has absolutely no clue what he's doing. He has no clue what the hell he's talking about. So do you get a sense that this prolonged shutdown, the second shutdown in two years, is going to affect the way African-American workers think about government jobs more broadly? And see, what happened was Trump entered into this shutdown and he didn't have an exit plan. He was bullied into it by right-wing talking pundits who were not elected officials, Rush Limbaugh, Ann Coulter, and Laura Ingram, specifically. He entered into this government shutdown with no exit strategy. So do you get a sense that this prolonged shutdown, the second shutdown in two years, is going to affect the way African-American workers think about government jobs more broadly? So he responded, it would have to, right? 
The effect of repeated shutdowns is going to be cumulative because this was this started in late 2018. This is the third government shutdown of 2018 with Republicans controlling the House of Representatives, U.S. Senate and the White House. One shutdown four or five years ago is one thing to have another another one last year, 2018, and another one this year, 2019, and to see less light at the end of the tunnel is this one, uh, uh, in this one, less light at the end of the tunnel in this one than in previous shutdowns. It's affecting folks' financial stability. It's affecting their morale, and it's disproportionately affecting African-American workers. One of the folks who I talked to is a federal worker who described growing up in Prince George's County, which is one of the largest communities of middle class and upper middle class African-Americans in this country. That's largely because of access to so-called good jobs in the federal government. Growing up, he said he was told, quote, get a good job in the government, end quote. His mom worked for the federal government. His dad worked for the government. But if this continues to happen and shutdowns continue to be used in political ways over fights in Congress, a whole generation of people uh, is going to have to reevaluate whether that's still the case. Now, a lot of this has to do with this prolonged government shutdown, understanding Trump, his background and his ties to Russia. This may have something to do with destabilizing the U.S. economy, destabilizing the U.S. government also. There may be something larger. That may not be the reason why the government shutdown happened in the first place. But see, this is having a, a, a big negative impact on the FBI, which is investigating Trump. For instance, if you look at the uh, uh, article from NBCNews.com, uh, from uh, let's see which one which one are we looking at here? This is from January twenty second, two thousand nineteen. FBI agents say shutdown is hampering counterterrorism, sex trafficking probes. Quote: The fear is our enemies know they can run freely. End quote. Says an FBI counterterrorism agent. This has wide ranging impact because you have a lot. Of, you have. FBI agents who are not getting paid. This has wide-ranging impacts, a wide-ranging impact that also deals with protecting the, the, the America from terrorists. Just like the Coast Guard, which helps to um, monitor undocumented immigrants, they're not getting paid. Secret service is not getting paid, from my understanding. So even though that may have not been the original purpose of the shutdown, as time goes on, there could be something bigger than this. And if we go back, and I think it was in 2018, Matthew Whitaker is Donald Trump's uh, acting attorney general. Matthew Whitaker was doing a cable news interview. I think it was CNN. 
this was before he was even considered, this was even before he was nominated to be acting attorney general. And he talked about a scenario of how Trump could slow down the FBI investigation by starving the FBI of financial resources. Now, he didn't, I don't think he mentioned government shutdown. And we know from my understanding of this, Mueller's, the, the special prosecutor, his team is still being funded. But the FBI is different. So you go back and watch. You go back and watch what Matthew Whitaker said on cable news. Then you look at these stories of what's taking place with the FBI because of this government shutdown. You start sitting back and saying, damn. And we know Trump constantly attacks the FBI. So you start sitting back and you start putting the pieces together. Even though that may not be the reason why the shutdown happened, but you start looking at why he wants the shutdown to continue. You start saying, well, damn, is there another agenda here? Okay, we're going to post this article here because I don't want you to think I'm making this up. We'll post this article here from NBCNews.com. Yahoo News has articles about this. Washington Post, all this. All you have to do is just Google FBI government shutdown. And you start reading these articles. You start saying, well, wait a second, because we know Vladimir Putin wants to separate the U.S. from its allies. He's trying to disrupt the U.S. economy, things like this. This is what I warned people about in 2016. People didn't want to listen to me. We look at this other article from NBCNews.com. Shut down problems mount as workers poised to miss another check. So this coming Friday, they're going to miss another government check. Airports, the FBI, contractors, and businesses are among those feeling the impact. Okay, now we all have already seen more and more stories of TSA agents calling in to work because they can't work. They don't have money to get to work. They, they, they have to quit and find another job. So what if 50% of TSA agents have to quit? Then this slows down people being able to fly. People able to get to business meetings. The airlines lose money. This has wide-ranging impact. Problems are piling up at the nation's airports as workers affected by the government shutdown are poised to miss another paycheck. This article is from January 22nd, 2019, updated January 23rd, 2019. Unless the government has reopened by midnight, which would have taken a miracle since the White House and Democrats don't appear to be speaking to one another. And Mitch McConnell is holding this up because he will not allow these votes to come to the floor. He will not allow these bills to come to the floor. It's the congressional switchboard. We need to call Mitch McConnell's office. All People all across the country, especially those in Kentucky, if Mitch McConnell's your U.S. Senator especially, congressional switchboard, his number to the congressional switchboard, 202-224-3121. 
We need to call Mitch McConnell's office. Ask, ask for uh, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell's office. That's the congressional switchboard. The congressional switchboard gets you any member of the U.S. House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate. I've called it a few times in the past, okay, to speak to um, my U.S. Senator's um, office, okay, uh, regarding certain bills, okay? You can reach any member, any of the 435 members of the U.S. House of Representatives or any of the 100 members of the U.S. Senate through the congressional switchboard, okay? We need to call Mitch, Senator Mitch McConnell's office and tell him to allow the votes to come, to, to allow the votes to happen in the U.S. Senate. And also, he's up for re-election in 2020. He needs to be voted out of office. Because he's he, he's become he, he is spineless like Speaker of the House Paul Ryan was. Mitch McConnell, Senator of Kentucky. Now here's an example of how elections have consequences. You got one U.S. Senator who's the House who's the uh, who's the Senate Majority Leader. So he controls which bills get voted on in the U.S. Senate. And he's acting like an employee of Donald Trump, which he is not, because the U.S. Senate is a co-equal branch of government. That's why we need to study the U.S. Constitution and read Article One of the U.S. Constitution. He is the U.S. Senate is a co-equal branch of government. So here you have one U.S. senator holding up paychecks for eight hundred thousand Americans, and even if Trump vetoes the bill that passes the U.S. Senate, then the U.S. Senate, they can override, they, they, can, they can override his veto with a two-thirds majority vote. So they would need 67, probably 67 senators to override his veto. So this is an example of how elections have consequences. So 2020, Mitch McConnell has to be voted out of office, period. He has to go. All right. So you got the number to the congressional switchboard once again. Names again, please, in writing. What are you talking about, Precious? Mitch is afraid that Trump pressed Donald gave his wife a job. That's correct. So Elaine Chow, who's the secretary of transportation, is Mitch McConnell's wife. That may be some leverage that Trump is using over Mitch McConnell to say, if you don't do what I want you to do over here, I'm gonna fire your wife. This is one of the problems with having your wife work in the Trump administration and you're the US Senate majority leader. That's just stupid. That's just stupid. This is an example of how elections have consequences. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. This is, and this is why we all need to go to LOC.gov, which is the Library of Congress website, LOC.gov, and search for the U.S. Constitution. We all need to read it to understand this, because we don't, we don't understand law, we don't understand the U.S. Constitution, we don't, most of us don't understand any of this, okay? All right, if you like this type of information, you can also donate to the African History Network that helps us to Keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting the African History Network show, bringing bring you this type of information. As well, we do the African History Network show Sunday nights. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show, PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. 
You can also go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Click on the yellow donate button there. And, you know, we have my DVD bundle packs, my DVD lectures, the online courses that I teach also that helps us to uh, finance all this, stay on the air, uh, everything, okay? Uh, we have a um, – I'm going to go to some more of your comments, and I want to go to this article here from BlackAmericaWeb.com dealing with how to survive the um, shutdown, okay? We'll come to that in just a minute. Um we have the online courses that I teach. They're all on demand, dealing with our history, dealing with economic empowerment, things like that. It's a 10-course online bundle pack. It's regularly $130. It's on sale uh, for a few more days, only $40. And uh, it includes the 14-hour, um, seven-session online course that I teach called Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school, Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, which is a, uh, I deal with thousands of years of history, do PowerPoint presentation, but it includes 10 online courses there. Okay, so you can watch from around the world, watch as many times as you want to. Uh, that's all on demand, watch at your own pace. So we see that, and that's also at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We just posted the link here. So we see that Trump, his approval rating is that a year long low. Uh, Overall, only 34% of Americans approve of Donald Trump's performance uh, in a survey conducted by the Associated Press. Associated Press has an article that came out um, January 2019, shut down drags Trump approval to year-long low, okay? So this is really having a big impact on his approval rating, not just the economy. So if we look at this... um, really good article from blackamericaweb.com. It's from a segment of the Tom Jordan Morning Show from January 21st, 2019, Dr. King Day. So Melody Hobson, who's the president of Aerial Capital Management, um, she's on the Tom Jordan Morning Show, you know, usually every Monday, with, uh, Monday Mondays. And this installment was called How to Survive the Government Shutdown. How to Survive the Government Shutdown, okay? And then uh, we'll also talk about this other article from NBCNews.com of how government employees are turning to side gigs to try to make ends meet. And she talks about how um, she deals with how do we get here uh, with the government shutdown, but uh, what can workers do who have been affected? What can workers do who have been affected? Okay. Uh, She talks about how, Uh, If you have not already done so, reach out to your creditors and inquire about leniency or about programs. Uh, Okay, this just jumped around. Uh, Inquire about leniency and inquire about programs they have available for situations like this. We see that um, there have been some companies that have come out and said they have special programs to... um, extend credit, uh, to hold off uh, on loans that have to be paid back, whatever it is, okay? So we have seen that. I know MSNBC has talked about some of those companies. Some lenders have other options specifically for furloughed workers. If they do not offer that option, ask what if anything they can do for you in the short term that will allow you to prioritize the most important costs such as food and housing. They also have a link here 
in the article for info on resources for furloughed workers, okay? We're gonna post a link to this article here on the thread of the broadcast also for you. So this may not benefit you, but it may benefit a family member, a friend, something like that, okay? Uh, let's continue here. All right, now you can also visit 211.org, 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 which is a website that helps connect people to local social services like help with prescriptions or other medical issues and childcare. If you're not getting a, pay, a paycheck, consider no interest or low interest loans. And because unfortunately, some government, some federal employees, because a lot of federal employees don't make a lot of money, like TSA workers only make something like $32,000 a year, okay? And unfortunately, some of them are turning to payday loan uh, lenders and things like this, which is just a revolving cycle of despair also with the high interest that they charge. Now, some credit unions and banks are offering uh, offering them to those affected, or low interest loans to those affected. Several lenders have been working to lessen the blow in other ways by waiving fees or postponing payment deadlines. Now, what Melody Hobson recommends is that you be proactive. You call them like today, call them tomorrow. But you be proactive and don't wait for them to contact you. Credit card and mortgage late charges might also be dropped might also be dropped. Some banks are waiving some fees for government employees who have direct deposit set up. Finally, if you have been furloughed, you are likely to be eligible uh, for unemployment. Finally, if you have been furloughed, you are likely to be eligible for unemployment benefits in your state, though it varies. Now, furloughed employees are employees who've been told not to report to work. They're not getting a paycheck and they're told not to report to work. Other employees are told to report to work and they're not getting paid, but they will receive back pay once the shutdown is over, okay? So some states, because I've seen some reports and people saying that um, like they're still working, but they're not getting paid. In some states, they cannot apply for unemployment. So it varies from state to state, okay? So it is certainly worth exploring. Just remember employees who receive unemployment, unemployment benefits and also later receive a retroactive payment from their employer for the same time period will be required to replay to will be required to repay the unemployment benefits received. See, this is a, this is a whole nother round because you're trying to get caught up on bills. You may have overdraft fees here, late draft fees there. Right. You're trying to get caught up on bills. Then. You have to repay the unemployment benefits received, possibly, she said. Melody Hobson said here, just remember, employees who receive unemployment benefits and also later receive a retroactive payment from their employer for the same time period will be required to repay the unemployment benefits received. Now, for those federal contractors, that probably won't apply to them because most likely federal contractors will not receive back pay. Okay? So, and this, so this is complicated. And it varies from state to state. So you want to go to your state uh, website. So in Michigan, is michigan.gov. You want to go to your, 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 your state website 
and find out about unemployment benefits, things like that. They'll probably have some specific information for people who are federal employees who've been furloughed or working for free. Beyond the labor force, how is the shutdown playing out? Federal programs that millions of low-income Americans depend on are already being affected. Contracts for more than 1,000 government-funded properties that house low-income renters have already expired. This is something I was talking about earlier. And over 1,000 more are set to, uh, are set to do so by February. The SNAP program, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, will also run out of funding at the end of February. The National School Lunch Program, NSLC, a federally funded initiative that provides more than 30 million at-need youth with nutritious meals, could be at risk in the, if the shutdown continues. Some districts are already cutting back on fresh fruits and vegetables. What the hell do you have to lose? Isn't that what Trump asked us? Most Americans will feel the effect on air travel as the nation's airport security screening system battles high absenteeism as a result of TSA workers going unpaid. Some airports have started closing terminals due to staffing issues. The federal court system is running out of money. The federal court system is running out of money. Vacationers are missing out as many national parks and museums have been shuttered. Disaster relief, disaster relief is likely uh, to be hampered as thousands of emergency responders are missing courses in firefighting and emergency responses. This is a national security threat. This is a national security threat. Then you look at Trump and all his ties to Russia, and you start wondering what's really going on. Okay, so disaster relief likely to be hampered as thousands of emergency responders are missing courses in firefighting. There are concerns that 6 million Americans expecting tax refunds, um, expecting tax refunds will not uh, be able to get them on time. OK. And some of the IRS agents, Washington Post had an article um, from, I think, the 22nd, then how some IRS agents are saying they ain't coming to work, even though they're ordered back to work. They're saying they, they can't come to work. OK. They don't have the money to get there and they're not coming to work in protests. I can't say I blame them. So this is deep. So check out this article. Um, from uh, blackamericaweb.com and um, let's see here okay yeah check out this article from blackamericaweb.com um, entitled how to survive the government shutdown how to survive the government shutdown this is Melody Hobson and they have the audio there also you can read it but they also have the audio of the interview with her as well. The Tom Joyner Morning Show. They have a lot of really, really good information on the Tom Joyner Morning Show. Okay. Including the little known black history fact. All right. They eating those tax checks up, Karen said. Cut out those future trips, Theodore said. Some air traffic controllers not get paid. Exactly. 
air traffic controllers, all this, this has wide ranging implications. You don't want air traffic controllers distracted because they're worried about making the mortgage payment or the rent payment, things like this. All right, so let's look quickly at this article here from NBCnews.com. This deals with how some government workers are turning to different gigs to make ends meet. Shoveling snow, walking dogs, furloughed workers turn to odds. To furloughed workers turn to odd jobs, gig economy. I know there were the two sisters who created the cheesecake business. They're furloughed workers. They were interviewed on the Tom Jonah Morning Show this week, okay? But most, most people starting businesses this uh, in this economy, I mean, most furlough workers starting businesses like that, their business ain't going to blow up like that. I'm just keeping it real with you. You may have a few here or there, but most of them, their business ain't going to blow up like that. They're, these two sisters are lucky, and they're getting a lot of media coverage also. They're lucky. People have turned to Craigslist, GoFundMe, ride-hailing companies, and friends to help ends to help make ends meet. So this article is from uh, January sixteenth, uh, two thousand nineteen. All right, and uh, they interview some people, some furloughed workers. Uh, one person they interviewed is Nick Elger, E L G R, Nick Elger, who uh, said he saw a chance to make a buck. He's twenty eight years old. He usually spends his days working for the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA. But he's one of nearly 400,000 furloughed workers out of work during what's become America's longest government shutdown. He said, quote, I've been getting stir crazy just sitting at home. So I figured in the first few weeks I would just post some things on Craigslist. Um, so he, Elders offered $20 an hour for snow removal a reasonable rate considering he has more than 20 years of experience at snow removal growing up on a ranch in Wisconsin. But with few responses, he's readying other options. Uh, he plans to try DC area bars like the passenger, which recently invited furlough workers with uh, serving experience to make a little extra cash. He said, if I don't get any hits from Craigslist this week, I'll reach out uh, to local bars and restaurants. I have some serving and bartending experience, so I'll go around and ask if they need any help, okay? Now, Nick Elger, like other government employees and contractors that spoke with NBC News, clarified that uh, his comments were his personal views and not meant to represent or reflect on his agency. Now, roughly 800,000 federal employees have yet to receive paychecks this month. We know that coming this Friday, they're going to miss a second paycheck, including contractors and service workers. And they are, they are also facing financial burdens in light of the shutdown. Okay. Now, uh, Kirsten Safakas, S-A-F-A-K-S, is 31 years old, a Chicago-based furloughed Environmental Protection Agency Community Involvement Coordinator turn to ride sharing app via the ride sharing app via VIA after she couldn't defer her mortgage payment of $2,700 on her newly purchased single family home. She said, I'm nervous 
that there doesn't seem to be any end to it on the horizon. Because Trump said that this can go on indefinitely. And actually, there was an article that came out today that talked about how um, the, the Trump administration was asking for information on um, which government entities would be impacted if this uh, continue if this uh, shutdown continued. Let me see something here. Let me see if I can pull up that article because I just saw it. It, if you go to NBCnews.com, at the top of the page, they list some of the hot topics. Click on shutdown. All the articles they have dealing with the government shutdown, or most of most of the re recent ones are there. Okay. Do you have a child with ADHD, autism, or another special need? Would you like to treat your child holistically and avoid pharmaceuticals and stimulants if possible? If so, you need to head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com, OurKidsCanThrive.com, and take the Holistic Special Kids course. Shava, a mother to four boys, ages 12 to 5, and a daughter who is almost three years old, has dealt with hyperactivity, anxiety, depression, severe anger, sensory processing disorders, chronic fatigue, and more. And now... Her children are all thriving. Chava is a holistic ADHD coach and has helped many children privately and now. She shared all of the tips, tricks, herbs, foods, and supplements she has used to treat her own children and many others. Head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com and sign up for the course now. Yo, what's going on, everybody? It's your man, Mr. X. Get your hand out of my pocket. Letting you know to catch our brand new podcast on SoundCloud.com slash G-Y-H-O-M-P. Go to YouTube page right now. Subscribe right now. Listen right now. We on Twitter and we on Facebook and we on Instagram. We got the information. We're combining consciousness with activism. Don't be on the couch yakking at yak. Get out and do some real work. So check us out and get your hand on my pocket, YouTube. I hope to see you there because it's brand new, it's fast acting, and we on the ground. Trust. Yo, I only got one thing to say to you. Get your hand out of my pocket! There's a war going on, and don't get scared now. Peace. Looking for technology for your home or business? No problem. From laptops to Chromebooks, Surface tablets, antivirus security software to business phone systems, JCW Computer Consulting LLC has got you covered. Be sure to use the African History Network custom link for discount and special promotions. JCWCC is a certified minority business enterprise and part of the iBuyBlack network. Visit shop.jcwcc.com or call. 215-879-6701. Okay. Uh, let's see. What the State of the Union from the lawmakers shut down can endanger future. Uh, 
We have to look for that one. I can't, I can't find it right now. But um, and Washington Post had an article about that as well. Let me see here. Oh yeah, right here. Washington Post. Because I read Washington Post and New York Times every day. And NBC News. I monitor about 35 different news sources on a day on a daily basis. Okay, so I do I do this full time. White House seeks list of programs that would be hurt if shut down last into March. March of 2019. White House seeks list of programs that would be hurt if shut down last into March of 2019. Okay, that's at WashingtonPost.com. Let's see if we can get that article up. All right. Okay, now we're back. Let's see, I think, I think the internet rebuffered because uh, I'm uh, monitoring the, on my second laptop and my internet went out for about a minute on my second laptop also. Okay. All right, so we're back. All right, we'll wrap up here in a few minutes. Okay, so uh, African-American business owners, once again, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Uh, email us at customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network on the uh, podcast of our radio show, the African History Network show. We have listeners all across the country. Um, your first month is 50% off. Second month is free. We can help you reach thousands of potential customers. We're on seven different podcast platforms. We're on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, um, CastBox, FM Player, TuneIn. We take your 30-second, the 60-second commercial, put it into the audio podcast of our show. And each episode, we get between 4,000 and 8,000 listens, listens in the first two weeks of the show. Okay. Email us at customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com for more information. This is a great low cost way for you to reach uh, new potential customers. Right. So if you are a book author, if you own an African American bookstore, e-commerce or physical store, if you own a clothing store, whatever it is, contact us. Customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, so this article from uh, White House, oh, oh, sorry, this white article from WashingtonPost.com. White House seeks list of programs that would be hurt if shut down last into March. All right, this is from um, January twenty third, two thousand nineteen. White House Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney has asked agency leaders to identify the highest impact programs that will be jeopardized if the partial government shutdown continues into March and April of 2019. People familiar with the directive said on Wednesday, the move was a sign that the administration is beginning to prepare for a lengthy, a lengthy funding lapse with negotiations between Donald Trump and Democrats at a standstill. So this is why we have to put pressure on, uh, on Senator Mitch McConnell to allow these bills to come to the Senate floor for a vote. Once again, the congressional switchboard, the number to the congressional switchboard is 202-224-3121. Mick Mulvaney wants the list no later than Friday these people said speaking on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to disclose the request. 
it comes as the, as the shutdown now in its fifth week and the longest in U.S. history has triggered snowballing consequences for the economy and government services, as well as the 800,000 federal workers who are going without pay. Okay? So check out this article also. This is um, from the Washington Post. We'll post this here on the thread of the broadcast as well. All right, let's go to some more of your questions here. Hopefully this information helped you. There's a history lesson involved in here as well. Also, speaking of history, African-American History Month is coming up. If you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, email me at customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com. Customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com. We can make it happen. In the Detroit area, uh, I'll be doing lectures each Saturday in February at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, 71 Oakman Avenue in Highland Park, Michigan, 71 Oakman Avenue in Highland Park, Michigan, Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. each Saturday. starts February 2nd. I think February 2nd, my presentation is dealing with uh, uh, Black Wall Street from uh, destruction from uh, destruction to the resurrection of economic empowerment, deal with the history of Black Wall Street, and some of our history of cooperative economics. But each Saturday in February, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., uh, this is the African History Network African History Network Lecture Series at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe. We'll have more information. We'll have the flyers this week. And uh, it's free and open to a public, free and open to the public, free event, donations accepted. But if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, email me at customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay? Because I have presentations there with the history of African American History Month because we don't know what we're celebrating. I have presentations on all different topics, all right? Okay, let's look at some of your comments here. Um, Warren, okay. Is that a business Warren that you're posting? Okay, Nick Daniel, we can hear you now. Okay, we got Russell, Tamara, some uh, uh, uh Jack. Okay, let's look at some of your comments. Okay, yeah, we froze up. Martel, I hope we take this as a lesson. I know I am. Uh, Martin said. Yeah, Theodore, the markets around Christmas was down 500 points. They won't allow federal workers to receive GoFundMe. So, Karen, that's interesting. So, you said they will not allow federal workers to receive GoFundMe. So, is that GoFundMe saying that, or is that the federal government saying that? Uh, let me look at something here in this article here from. Uh, NBCnews.com, and let me post this here also. Okay, trying to post this link here for you all. Which one is this? Oh, okay. Some of us, I got to post this other article for you. Okay, if we look at this article from NBCnews.com, shoveling snow, walking dogs, furloughed workers turned to odd jobs, gig, gig economy. People have turned to Craigslist, GoFundMe, ride-hailing companies, and friends to help make ends meet. 
Uh, let's look at GoFundMe here. Let me search by keyword for GoFundMe. Okay, out-of-work government employees have also been targeted on social media with recruitment efforts from gig economy companies. Other workers have turned to crowdfunding platform, have turned to the crowdfunding platform GoFundMe with pleas for donations. RJ Steiger, 29, a furloughed employee who lives outside Washington, I guess Washington, D.C., said he was working at a friend's vinegar-making business and living off an emergency fund, noting he was one of the lucky ones. Um, let me see if they have any more mention of GoFundMe. Okay. So yeah, check out this article as well because they may have some uh, tips in here for furloughed workers to make some extra money. And if you're not furloughed, may have some stuff in here you can use to make some extra money also. Because we all need five streams of income. Let's just keep it real. We all need five streams of five streams of income. Um, Washington residents have also posted anecdotal messages on social media about encountering government workers who had turned to ride-hailing apps during the shutdown. Uh, Arun Sundarajan, New York University professor of business and author of The Sharing Economy, The Sharing Economy, The End of Employment and the Rise of Crowd-Based Capitalism, The End of Employment and the Rise of Crowd-Based Capitalism, said this ability to smooth over income volatility by using platform-based gig work is particularly important for the U.S. economy, okay? Quote, if we look at the past, a lot of the growth of the gig economy about 10 years ago was a consequence of a weak job, of weak job numbers and the recession. So I think it's well accepted that during times of economic downturn, whether it's nationwide or within a particular sector, people do turn at increasing rates to the gig economy to try and make ends meet, end quote. Now, while the gig economy is meant to provide people with the ability, ability to easily find work, the system also has its limits. Most companies take time to approve new employees and require background checks, which could take longer to complete as the, as the government's E-Verify system is closed during the shutdown. This is the other thing. The E-Verify system is closed during the shutdown, which then impacts you being able to get background checks oftentimes or government background checks. People must own, own or rent cars to drive for ride-sharing apps. And even without sign-up fees, the work can be costly. See, once again, this is an example, right, of how government and government regulations and policies impact business. So if we look at eVerify.gov to find out what is the eVerify system, 
E-Verify is a web-based system that allows enrolled employees to confirm the eligibility of their employees to work in the United States. E-Verify e employers verify the identity and employment eligibility of newly hired employees by electronically matching information provided by employees on the uh, form I-9, Employment Eligibility Verification, against records available to the Social Security Administration, SSA, and the Department of Homeland Security. E-Verify is a voluntary program, however, employees, employers with federal contracts or subcontracts that contain the Federal Acquisition Regulation, FAR, F-A-R, Federal Acquisition Regulation, E-Verify e -verify clause are required to enroll in E-Verify as a condition of federal contracting. Employees may also be required to participate in E-Verify if their states have legislation mandating the use of E-Verify such as a condition of business licensing. Finally, in some instances, employers may be required to participate in E-Verify as a result of a legal ruling. So once again, all this deals with how politics impacts every aspect of our life. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources, and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. And all this impacts business. Government creates a environment that business operates within. So if we look at the article from NBCnews.com, which talks about how most companies take time to approve new employees and require background checks, which could take longer to complete as the government's E-Verify system is closed during the shutdown, An influx, an influx of new applicants can also mean that workers who depend on gig economy jobs for a living can be hit by declining wages. Okay, so check this article out as well. There may be some information in here that you can use. But this is deep. And this is a national security threat. And this is all because of one dumbass man who's scared of Laura Ingram, Rush Limbaugh, and Ann Coulter, and Vladimir Putin, Donald John Trump, and his co-conspirator, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, the turtle, who, who had been in hiding for a number of days. He just did an uh, interview, uh, the article was published from uh, New York Times, I think it was on the 22nd, about Mitch McConnell, but he had been to hiding. Nobody could find Mitch. Where's Mitch? All right. So hopefully, how's everybody doing? All right. Share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. Uh, if you like this type of information, you can donate to the African History Network, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. 
You can also, uh, you know, $10, $15, $25, $50, whatever, whatever it is that helps us to keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, broadcast our Sunday night show, do these broadcasts throughout, throughout the week. Um, also, uh, we have our DVD lectures as well, our online courses, all that's at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, we have the uh, eight digital download bundle pack, the Black Panther bundle pack. Uh, this on sale $30, regularly $80, includes three of my lectures dealing with the film Black Panther and five other presentations also. All right. So look, we have to get out of here. Um, hey, remember at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. Uh, listen to the African History Network show Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation WFDF here in Detroit. We broadcast on Facebook Live as well and on YouTube, our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. And uh, if you go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, we have the information there, how to listen to the show and listen to the podcast of the show as well. We have almost 900 audio podcasts. So we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. Uh, also, if you own an African-American business, right, another thing that you can do is barter with other African-American-owned businesses. So if you're lacking money or if even if you – Say you create a business and you're laid off, you're furloughed, or you're working and not getting paid. If you create a business or a service, that's something that you can trade with another African-American-owned business or maybe another business period in general, right, to get something that you need even if you don't necessarily have the money. Because we have a whole history of bartering, especially back when we had an agricultural economy. Because at one point in the history, you know, we, you know, back in about 1920, we owned uh, about 925,000 farms. African-Americans owned about 925,000 farms back about 1920. We owned 15 million acres of land. And even if we didn't have money, we had crops that we could trade with other farmers or trade with other people to get certain things that we wanted also. Okay? So that's something else as well, another strategy. Um, read the article from AtlantaBlackStar.com. 15 million acres to 1 million. How black people lost their land. I deal with this because I did a three-hour video dealing with uh, the plight of African-American farmers dealing with suing the Stein Soybean, Soybean Company. And I dealt with a history of how we lost our land, how we went from owning 15 million acres of land in 1920 that we acquired from 1865 to 1920. Oh, that 55-year period of time, we acquired 15 million acres of land. And then from 1920 to 1975, that 55-year period of time, we lost 14 million acres of land. But read this article from AtlantaBlackStar.com from 15 million acres to 1 million, how black people lost their land. Okay. All right. 
So um, remember, the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.